Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11, we continue our study through the last book of the Torah, the fifth book of Moses, the uh, Pentateuch. And here we are in Deuteronomy 11 in continuation of our study. He says in verse 1, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God. Now, remember, this is something that the law cannot do. Even though Moses is saying you shall love the Lord your God, love cannot be mandated. Love cannot be mandated. Remember, when we looked at our study last week in chapter 10, verse 15, says the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. You see the love of God unto Israel. But then at the same time, you you see here in chapter 11, verse 1, you shall love the Lord your God. Now, God's love is there. But then at the same time, does Israel love the Lord? Now, That's a very personal question because among Israel, inside of Israel, you have people who believe in the Lord of both Jew and Gentile. Because remember, there are provisions in the law for Gentiles to be grafted into Israel. But whether a person loves the Lord, the, the law cannot mandate love for the Lord. This is one of the loopholes that we see in the law, one of many loopholes in the law. Now, when you hear me say loopholes, Turn to Hebrews 8. We reference this all the time, and we're never going to get tired of referencing it. In Hebrews 8, verse 7, says, or in verse 6, Hebrews 8, verse 6, But now he, speaking of Jesus Christ, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, not the old covenant, a better covenant, which was established on better promises, for if that first covenant had been faultless, speaking about the law of Moses, If it had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. You see, there are loopholes to the law. One of those loopholes is this, you shall love the Lord your God, what we see in chapter 11, verse 1, because we know that love cannot be mandated, but at the same time, love is attained through several avenues, one of which, arguably the most palpable, is trust. Trust. Say, for example, you and me, just you and me, we're in a multitude of people, say 10,000, an assembly of 10,000. And then at the same time, you and me, we have learned to trust in the Lord. We have a history of wickedness. Everybody has a history of wickedness. But you and me, we have learned to trust in the Lord. Now, what happens through the the deception, the deceitfulness of sin, is that you're going to see people in that multitude of people. You're going to see people start falling away because they're, they're seduced. They're seduced into the world. They're seduced into the works of the flesh, walking according to the flesh. And I say just you and me, it could be you and me, meaning like you and me, uh, uh, like 10 people, a hundred people, a thousand people. When I say you and me, yes, it's you and me, but I speak to a remnant. Now, you're going to have people. The seduction is always there. The risk of seduction is always there. Remember the preacher guys that we speak of, that we studied in 2 Corinthians, the preacher guys who come in in Galatians, and they're really servants of Satan. They come in presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness, but what are they? Minions, minions of Satan. And then at the same time, this seduction happens. There's that 
pull by a satanic seduction but then there's also what's influenced by satan there's uh, there's also the, the 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 drive of the flesh the carnal nature walking according to the passions of the carnal nature you see these are things that are threats to all of us but because we've learned to trust in the lord you and me you know there we're in multitudes of people but i speak just you and me because we've learned to trust in the Lord, what's going to happen is we're going to look left, we're going to look right, we're going to see all around us, people start to fall. People being seduced, people being pulled away, people just saying, you know what, I'm done. They're not enduring. And so what we see is we see a remnant start to emerge. Now, we've already studied this in the camp of Israel. We've seen examples of this remnant in the Torah. But we're going to see it even more as we continue in our study to the Old Testament post-Torah. But we also see it in the church today. Remember, apostasy is prophesied. A defection away from truth. It is prophesied to happen. And these are things that the law cannot address. The law can address it at the heart level. The law can address it at the carnal level, at the fleshly level, because of the repercussions of sin. And the law is still holy. But the law is, is, is still holy, but it gives way to a greater glory, which is the law's fulfillment. And I speak of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at, turn with me really quick to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. And in Mark chapter 10, we see this in verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus Christ. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit in eternal life? Now you think like, wow, you know, here a guy comes to Jesus Christ. How beautiful. And yes, how beautiful. He kneels before Jesus. Wow, how beautiful is this? He refers to Jesus Christ as good teacher. Wow, this is so awesome. And then the question is posed, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, Dr. Luke reveals that this man is an expert in the law. That's from Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It is revealed that this particular individual is an expert in the law. He has studied the Torah. He knows the Pentateuch. He studied Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus and Genesis and all the things that we've studied thus far in our studies through the Old Testament. If you've been walking with us for a while, you already know that we've studied the minor prophets. So if you've been walking with us for, for a while, you have uh, this understanding. But, you know, if you've been walking with us for a shorter while, you have Genesis up into Deuteronomy. And so what we see here, you see, wow, here is this Dr. Luke, remember, reveals that this person, this particular individual who comes and kneels before Jesus Christ, refers to him as good teacher. And is inquiring about eternal life. He's an expert in the laws, Dr. Luke reveals in Luke 10, verse 25. And Jesus, so Jesus says to him, Jesus said to him in verse 18, Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one, no one is good but one that is God. He says, You know, remember, he's speaking to an expert in the law. You know, you know the commandments. And then he, recites some of them do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud 
Honor your father and your mother. This is the law. Remember, Jesus knows he's speaking to an expert of the law, in the law. In verse 20, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. You see, the obedience that this particular individual, this legal expert had. When I say legal, I mean legal in terms of the Torah. His obedience unto the law, which is a tutor, remember our study through Galatians, led him to Jesus. And now he's at a fork in the road because the law itself, which he has, he's kept all these things since he was a kid. And now it's led him to Jesus Christ. The tutor has brought him to Jesus Christ. The tutor has brought him to Jesus Christ and he even kneels before the fulfillment of the law inquiring about eternal life. What must I do that I shall inherit eternal life? What do I do, Lord? What do I do, good teacher? And so, so he's at this fork in the road. And in verse 21, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack. Remember, this expert in the law who has kept the law since, since he was a kid, but yet the law itself has this inability to touch the heart. And Jesus knows it. Jesus loves him. And he explains to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. No period. And come, take up the cross. You see, remember the cross as an instrument of death. Take up the cross. No period again. Take up the cross and follow me. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves this particular individual, is referring to the possessions that he has. He says, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. Now, you can either have possessions or possessions can have you. Never forget that. You can have possessions or possessions can have you. In this particular case, for this individual, this expert in the law, the possessions had him. Because look what happens here in verse 22. This particular individual who was an expert of the law and the tutor, which is the law, brought him to Jesus Christ. He refers to Jesus Christ as good teacher. He kneels before him. And yet he was sad at this word as revealed in verse 22. But he was sad at this word. Remember, he's a legal expert. expert. And the law of Moses and the obedience led him to Jesus and now he's at the fork in the road, the valley of decision. He has a choice to make. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, you see. Now the possessions had him. The possessions had him. So now look what we see here. This legal expert, the expert of the Torah, the law of Moses, and the inability of the law to touch the heart, he walks away. He chose poorly. And so this particular individual, the legal expert who's followed the law since he was a kid, he's walking away. Now he's gone. And then Jesus, in verse 23, looked around and said to his disciples, a group of people who the law also brought them to Jesus Christ, and they yielded to him. And he says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? God. 
The riches of this world. The riches of this world have extreme dangers for the life to come. In this life, yes. Not really perceived by the natural man or the natural woman. But absolutely for the life to come. Verse 24, and the disciples were astonished at his words, at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. You see, better it is to trust in God. And when you trust in God, the blessings come. It can't be riches. It can't, now, when I say it can't be riches, I don't mean like, you know, the yacht and five private jets and five yachts and the helicopter that gets off the yacht and flies, you know, and has like, you know, the, 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 the Lamborghinis on it, the Ferraris on it. Better it is to trust in the Lord. These are things that the law, remember this legal expert who's followed the law of Moses since he was a kid, but yet the very law that he was obedient to which is still holy because notice it brought him to Jesus Christ. Just like it brought the disciples, just like it brought Mark and Dr. Luke. Mark and Dr. Luke, they yielded to Jesus Christ. They chose wisely. This particular expert in the law, he chose poorly. Why? Because he trusted in his riches. The riches, instead of him having possessions, the possessions had him. You see? And the blessings will come when trust is placed in Jesus Christ. The blessings will come. But when we see the blessings of the Lord, a lot of times people think riches. Oh, I'm blessed of the Lord. Look, I won the lottery. Look, I'm blessed of the Lord. Look, I have a million dollars. I have $10 million. I have $100 million. Look, I'm blessed of the Lord. But there's many, many blessings of the Lord. Riches can be won, but I have to say this about riches. Most of the time, riches, they're a pitfall. Most of the time, riches are a pitfall. But when you trust in the Lord, riches, it is for his glory. Even, even in poverty, money is for the glory of the Lord and for the kingdom of God. Remember the Macedonian example when we studied Corinthian letters? The Macedonian example, people who were poor and they had to beg Paul, Paul, take this money. And Paul, no, 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 you guys need your rent. You got to pay utilities. You got to do this. And they were like, no, 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 Paul. They were begging Paul, take this. In their poverty, they gave. A lot of times people think riches for the sake of riches in accordance to this world. But very few think riches as any monetary value but in service to the Lord, to glorify the Lord for the advancement of his kingdom. Remember the, the woman with two mites? Plink, plink. People coming with their big bags. And when you read the gospel in chronological order, and you see what happens is that the Jesus Christ is standing with the disciples on one side of the street, and on the other side of the street, they're looking and they're seeing people giving uh, 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 money, their offerings unto the Lord. And then you see like people with their big money bags and people with their, you know, they're giving money and you think like, wow. And Jesus Christ is saying, you see that woman over there? You see that one? I wonder what she was dressed like. I mean, not for the sake of her attire, but I wonder if it was like old, raggedy, a couple holes here, a couple holes there. 
maybe a little stinky because maybe she couldn't wash it as frequently as uh, uh, the the upper class society. So maybe it's a little stinky, got some holes in it. You see? And then all of a sudden, plink, plink, and she walks away. And Jesus Christ says, she gave the most. Now, the natural man cannot comprehend this. But the spiritual one can. And Jesus Christ says here, in verse 25, he says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. Remember, he's teaching his disciples. That's not to say that this rich guy who followed the law since he was a kid couldn't be his disciples because the law, which is still holy, the law, which is a lesser glory, brought him to Jesus Christ, to the valley of decision. Now he has a choice to make. The disciples made their choice. This particular individual could have become a disciple. The law has done its purpose in bringing him to Jesus Christ. But yet he chose poorly. You see, he had great possessions. I could say the possessions had him. And yet in verse 26, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible. With men, it is impossible. You see, so powerful because look at the legal expert. Look at the legal expert. I mean, the legal expert, the law served its purpose. It brought him to Jesus Christ. Remember the Pharisees when they were talking to Jesus Christ and we follow Moses. We're so hardcore. We follow Moses. And Jesus, Jesus says to them, how can you? Because Moses wrote about me. With men, it is impossible, he says in verse 27, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And this is when a person, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. Learning to trust in the Lord, you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. Not with the letter of the law. Remember the tablets, which are your hearts, as Paul says. These things are impenetrable by the law. But the law can be the very means by which a soul learns to trust in the Lord and in so doing, love, love cannot just be birthed, but love can grow. You see, there is beauty to the law. But remember, the law is death. Listen to our study through Romans, you'll understand. In verse 28, then Peter began to say to him, See, we all have left all. We, we, we have left all and followed you. I love Peter so much. Remember, Peter and the disciples, they, they were following the law as well. And the law brought them to Jesus Christ, just like the particular individual, the legal experts. And they chose wisely. Now what's happening with this group of disciples is they're falling, falling deeper in love with Jesus. Just 
the law's fulfillment. The law points to Christ. The law brings a soul to Christ. The law is still holy. The law is still in effect. But there's a purpose behind the law. That's why if you remember our study through Galatians, which wasn't that long ago, if you're abiding in the law, you have abandoned Jesus Christ. You must, we must be a people who abides in the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, no one who has left, which is to forsake. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife. Now, you know, me personally, you might listen, remember our study through 1 Corinthians. And, you know, right around we got the time, uh, like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6, and 7, you heard me say, I don't like teaching about marriage. I, to this day, I do not like teaching about marriage. I, I don't want to say I hate it, but I, I just don't like it. I don't like it because most haven't died. Most people have yet to experience death and crucifixion. I mean, if I speak to a carnal husband and a carnal wife, and they hear me say, I don't like teaching about marriage. They're like, what in the world? What kind of pastor are you? This pastor always talks about marriage. This pastor over here, talks, this guy teaches always about marriage. Listen, I'm just a teacher. That's it. But me personally, I don't like teaching about marriage. Because the majority of people that I speak to are still carnal. Not yet crucified with Christ. That's why I don't like speaking about marriage. And yet the Lord says here, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. Remember, he says, in, there is no one. But verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. You see, the most blessed people I know the most blessed people I know. And there's many forms of God's blessings. But the most blessed people I know have also forsaken the most. Except for Jesus. I'll say that again. The most blessed people I know have forsaken the most. Except for Jesus. Absolutely not forsaking riches will absolutely hurt you in this life and the life to come. Not forsaking riches will hurt you. Just as, you know, we, we see the, the particular legal expert. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions in verse 22. And I could say the possessions had him. But there's more. It's not just the riches. There's more. The Lord Jesus Christ in verse 29 indicates house, brothers, sisters, mommy, daddy, husband, wife, children, lands. Speaking about marriage. And yet the Lord himself says, 
In verse 30, he says, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Very interesting. Because he indicates brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, fellowship of the saints. You know what's not mentioned? Husband or wives. You know why? Because there's a better husband, a better marriage. Listen to our study through Romans, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. You'll understand. The better husband, the better marriage. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29? To be married, but live as unmarried? How many married people can comprehend that? Very few. Why? Because they're still carnal. That's why. I meant to tell a husband, hey, husband, live as you're unmarried. Now the husband, oh, right, you know, I'm going to live as I'm unmarried. So now let's go do this. Let's go do that. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's indicating carnal things. You know, I, I, I'm going to live as unmarried. So I'm going to go to the bars now and hit on this person, hit on that person. No, that's that's carnal. Or tell a wife, live as though you're unmarried. Oh, wow, I'm going to go to ladies night. I'm going to go to this club over here on ladies night. No, that's carnality. But when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 29, for the married to live as unmarried, it's not for the sake of, you know, wow, I'm single again. No, it's for the, to honor the better husband unto the better marriage in the work of ministry. The kingdom for the sake of the kingdom. You see? It's so powerful when we read gospel passages like this. But with an understanding of certain epistles and the understanding of this base plate of the law, because these are things that the law cannot teach. The law can lead to these things, but the law cannot touch the heart. The law only addresses the flesh. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you must, must, must listen to our study through Galatians, all of it. There's the introduction of Galatians and then all the chapters. Listen to all those studies through Galatians and you'll understand because the law is still holy and the law absolutely has a purpose. But the purpose, just like with the disciples, just like with the certain legal expert, brings a soul to Jesus Christ. Notice when Jesus Christ says that, you know, who shall, in verse 30, he says, with persecutions. Now, remember, these, it's, it's part of the gig. Persecution is part and parcel. You walk with Jesus Christ, you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus Christ. People will hate you. People will hate you. Even Christians will hate you. You see, remember the posers from our study in Galatians chapter 6, verse 12? They liked the accolades of men, but they didn't like the, uh, the, the the persecution. They were amongst the pseudo-Adelphos. Pseudo-Adelphos. And look what happens. Now, in this life, in, in, in this time, in verse 30, shall, who shall, remember, no one, in verse 29, there is no one, and then Jesus Christ indicates these people, no one who has left, in verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. There are absolutely blessings, God's blessings in this life. And I say, I'll say it again, the most blessed people I know have also forsaken the most for the name of Jesus Christ and his glory and his honor. To include 
I mean, everything that's listed here, everything that our Lord indicates here, house, brother, sister, father, father, mother, I'll say mommy and daddy. A lot of people have problems forsaking mommy and daddy, which leads to bigger problems. Wife, children, lands. But in so doing, along with, you know, yes, in this life, there are persecutions, as he says in verse 30. And in this life, there are blessings behind that, blessings to that. He says at the end of verse 30, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The law cannot teach these things. The law can bring a person to Jesus Christ. The look at let's look at we're in the book of Mark. I mean, this looking at the book. We're not studying the book of Mark. Just this little passage. Look at Mark and let's look at the rich guy, or not the rich. Well, you could say the rich guy, but look at Mark and look at the legal expert. Look at Mark and look at the legal expert. The law has brought them both to Jesus Christ. The law has done its purpose. Now, Mark accepted Jesus Christ. The teachings of Jesus Christ refers to him not as good teacher, but as Lord. You see, now Mark is falling deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus Christ. The law fulfilled its purpose in bringing Mark to Jesus. And the law fulfilled its purpose with bringing the legal expert to Jesus. But when Jesus says to him in verse 21, one thing you lack. He says, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. That was something that the legal expert was unwilling to accept. So the law in Mark and the law in the legal expert fulfilled its purpose. Now, your move, Mark. Now, your move, legal guy. You see, we're not robots. Jesus Christ doesn't say, you will, you will worship me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in. Mark says, okay, Lord, come into my heart. I submit my life to you. The legal guy, he didn't want that. He made his choice. So now we see the functionality, the, the, how the law works, but we also see the limitations of the law, thus fulfilling what we read in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. If that first covenant had been flawless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Mark entered. The legal expert, no thank you. You see, the law has an inability to touch the heart in this manner. Now, Mark, he's falling deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord, the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ. But the legal expert, that's not happening. But the law still fulfilled its purpose. And the law as a tutor is going to keep bringing this legal expert to Jesus but depending on the behavior of the of this particular individual, the law will also condemn him. You see, if he doesn't come to Christ, he's in trouble. 
the same that that's that hasn't changed that's the same today that i mean it's, it was the same 2000 years ago give or take a couple years it's the same today but we have to understand the loopholes to the law of moses yes loopholes to the law in chapter 11 of deuteronomy let's go back now in verse 1 therefore you shall love the lord your god understanding this with the, you know we, we 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 looked at mark and we see okay the law has this inability to you know moses says you shall love the lord your god now i mean who who can say like you know if somebody tells you okay you shall love this guy you shall love this gal and who in their right mind would be like, okay i love this guy okay i love this gal who in their right mind no but trust takes time to develop and that trust look what happens here in verse 1 deuteronomy 11 verse 1 you shall love the lord your god and keep his charge his statutes his judgment and his commandments always now obedience to the law brings a soul to jesus now here in this particular moment in deuteronomy 11 before christ before the seed should come remember our study in galatians it gives hope it gives birth to hope in the fulfillment of the law but understand that you know it's just like mark and the expert in the law the law would serve its purpose it, it brought both of them to jesus christ but it was better for one than the other it was worse for one than the other but obedience to the law not that there's salvation in obedience to the law but obedience to the law a person can learn trust to trust in the lord and in trusting in the lord falling in love with him so moses says in verse one you shall love the lord your god which it can't love can't be mandated but through obedience trusting in him brings about it keeps a heart soft you see i'll give you the example again say you and me you and me we're in the camp of israel old testament israel we're, we're in the camp of israel now say we both come out with leprosy okay and it's like oh man we're leprosy you know i go over to your tent and you know we meet in between tents and like man look i got leprosy you say wow look i got leprosy too and then we go to the priest the priest you know we're lepers and then the priest says okay let me check you out yep you guys are lepers and then all of a sudden we go out at the camp now everything's holy i'm not talking about you know the, the a, a perverted priest i'm talking about you know a priest who's doing his job in accordance to what the law says i'm not advocating the law but the priest checks us out you know and everything's you know not good to go but everything's like okay yes it's biblically verified that we are lepers now we're outside the camp we're outside the camp and say we're lepers for three days and the third day, the priest comes back, checks on us, says, okay, you guys aren't lepers anymore. It's not just, okay, let's go back. Let's go back to our tents and everything's back to normal. No, 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 no. There's a process for cleansing. Items in the home. Now, you know, now the, now the tent is inspected. Okay. Or what else is unclean? What does this guy touch? What does he touch? What does she touch? What is unclean in this tent? You see? So it's not just, okay, we go back to the tent and everything's back to normal. No. We go back not to our tents we go back to like a little tent outside the tents because we're still there's still a process that has to happen you know sacrifice a lot of blood 
everything in accordance to the law. Remember our study through Leviticus. Now, just the cleansing of the items in our tents, like, you know, the the vessels, the cups and the plates and, you know, the, the blankets and the bed and, you know, shelves and everything that was that was touched by uncleanness. Now that has to be cleansed. Remember the running water or the living water? Remember our study through Leviticus? Now, I don't know about you. It just... I don't, I mean, I understand that the law says these things in Leviticus, the processes, but you know, it's, it's cumbersome. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it is cumbersome. I mean, wouldn't it be better for you and me to just sit in our chairs outside of our tents, rejoice in the Lord and, you know, glorify him and pray together? Wouldn't that be much better than living outside the camp for three days a week or coming back home and cleaning everything and making sure everything's clean and the processes and right. I mean, I'm just thinking my own perspective. I would be much more, it would be much better for me. I can only speak for myself. And let's just say, for example, you're of the same mind. That rather than being outside the camp where it's cold, Rather than cleaning all the utensils in our homes and our tents, you know, spending, you know, there's three days out of the camp. And that's just three days. What if it's a week? What if it's two weeks? So we're outside of the camp. We're in the tent. And now we're not, we're inside the little side tent, not the main tent, because we don't, we don't want the, the whole family to be unclean. But we're in our little, little side tents where it's just a place to sleep. The way to clean that. Now everything has to be cleaned in the tent. Everything has to be cleaned because of the uncleanness that was in the home. It's I say cumbersome, but it's like, man, rather than spending, say it's like a four-day job to clean everything. Maybe it's like, you know, say like it's a 10 hours, you know, to clean everything. Or say it's just straight up four days. You wake up in the morning, you clean. And you go to bed at night, you're done cleaning. And cleaning, 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 cleaning. It's just, it would be much better to sit on our chairs, lawn chairs outside of our tents, pray yeah we have our jobs to do we go do our jobs and come back and pray and rejoice and that's what's so beautiful about the law i'm not advocating the law but there's this aspect of the law which is cumbersome and it's cumbersome to help us learn to trust in the lord i mean I don't want to be outside the camp where it's cold. I don't want to spend five days cleaning a tent. I would much rather just, you know, sit on my chair and rejoice. Praise the Lord and pray. And, you know, we can laugh. You know, we can tell our stories. We can tell stories of how the Lord did this and did that. And we can rejoice in Him. But when uncleanness comes and arises and presents itself, it has to be dealt with. And say, for example, we're in the aftermath. Now we're clean. But we look back and be like, man, that was a gruesome two weeks. That was just a gruel, not a gruesome, but a grueling two weeks. Well, depending on the scene, it could have been gr- a gruesome. But, you know, say it was just a grueling two weeks. And now we're outside of our tents, you and me, and we're talking. And I say, you know what? 
that was pretty gru- that was a pretty grueling two weeks all the cleansing and being outside in the cold that was pretty and now it's all done and now we're clean again Whew. i'm glad that's done and you say you know what i never want to go through that again you see and so we learn a little light bulb comes on in our in our heads you know what the law yes there's aspects of the law which are cumbersome but now i trust in the law because now i stay clean because i don't want to do that i don't want to go through that two weeks again i don't want and maybe it was a month maybe it was two months you know depending on you know i'm just giving that two-week example but we look at each other and we're like wow i don't want to go through that again and so we learn obedience and we learn to trust in the lord and learning to trust in the lord now remember that example i gave when we were in verse one well, I guess we're still in verse one, but at the very beginning, when we looked at verse, the very beginning of verse one, in that example, we're in the camp of Israel. Now multitudes are starting to just fall. Hundreds of people, thousands of people are, are, are just falling. Why? Because they haven't learned that lesson. Where you and me said, you know what? I don't want to go through that grueling two weeks again. I don't want to, you know, to take every item and go outside, go to running water and do all these things and clean and, you know, dry it and then bring it back. And, you know, for one item and then the next bowl, the next bowl, the next bowl and, you know, all the shelvings, the bed and washing all the blankets and doing all. I don't want that's a grueling that we're clean now. But wow, I don't want to go through that again. And so the bulb comes off and the light goes off in our heads and we're like, wow, the law, like we heard Moses give these things, and I remember when we heard it with our ears and we didn't like it, but now, you know, we're here we are, and now all of a sudden, it's like, wow, now I understand that the law is a tool that helps us obey the Lord, you see? Remember, in our study in Galatians, the law was added because of sin, because of trespass. But the law is the additive between the promises. I say the promises, but the promise to Abraham and the fulfillment of the promise, which is, which is Jesus Christ. The law is the additive, you see. But in that example, you and me, who don't want to go through that grueling two weeks anymore, people haven't learned that lesson. And now you're seeing in other tents, just like, wow, they're always outside the camp. Wow, they're always cleaning this. And here you and me are just rejoicing the Lord because we've learned to obey. And in learning to obey, something else happens. We also learn to trust in the Lord. Like, wow, look, that guy's cleaning his house, all these things. Now he's got gonorrhea. You know, that, that lady's cleaning her house. She's got syphilis. You know, this other lady, you know, she's cleaning her house and she's got HIV. This other guy, he's cleaning his house. And wow, look, his brother died because of this and all these things. And I mean, I, I, I say these examples. But for you and me, there's safety. Why? Because we don't want to play games with the Lord. All of a sudden, you start to see people falling. Wow, they're always cleaning. Wow, this guy died. Wow, this lady's got syphilis. This lady's got gonorrhea. This guy's got, you know, chlamydia. This, uh, all these different, and I say, these, this is, I mean, you're listening. You're like, well, wow, that's gross. Yeah, absolutely. It's gross. But yet, now you see there's safety in this. And I'm not advocating the law. 
Remember, the law was added to the promise because of sin. Until the seed should come. And the seed is here now. His name is Jesus Christ. So when Moses says in verse 11, in verse 1, you shall love the Lord your God, the law has an inability to bring a person to that point in loving the Lord. But the law has the ability for a person to trust in the Lord, which is a byproduct of obedience. And in trusting the Lord comes the birthing of the love of the Lord. You say, wait a second, the seed hasn't come yet. Absolutely. But a soul can hope for the promise. A soul can hope for the seed. You see? And that's what we see, not just with Moses. We see it with Joshua. We see it with the prophets. We see it with Isaiah, Jeremiah. These are things that they hoped for. Something that the law, the law created that like, wow, you know, I've learned to obey. I've learned to trust. And I've fallen in love with the Lord. And I love the Lord. And, you know, this is before the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, I've learned to trust in the Lord. And people are falling like like flies. You know, they're falling like gonorrhea over here, syphilis over here. You got you, this person's in prison. This guy's over here. This guy's outside the camp. This lady's got gonorrhea, this syphilis, you know, chlamydia, HIV. All these different things are happening as a result of disobedience. They haven't yielded to the law. They haven't yielded to the tutor. And I'm not advocating the law. The law is still holy. Then and today, the law is still holy. But it brings a person to Jesus Christ. Before Jesus Christ, it gives a person hope for the, for the Messiah. You see? so powerful now do you see how studying the torah as new covenant believers just like we see uh, mark in mark and uh, the legal expert the law brought them both to jesus christ but who yielded to him and so we see this in verse verse 2 <laughs> Verse 2, know today that I do not speak to your children. I do not speak to your children. This is Moses. Remember, Moses is an old guy. And he's speaking to this next generation that's going to pass through the promised land. And he's saying, I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched harm. Now, Moses is saying, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not speaking to your kids, which means that this generation, the next generation that's passing through the promised land, They have to teach them. They have to teach their kids. He continues in verse 3. His signs and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the army of Egypt. To their horses and their chariots. How he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you. And how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. What he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, 
how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their household, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession. Very interesting, their possession. In the midst of all Israel. Remember Korah? And the, the Korah and those who followed him? You know, do, we, do we follow Moses or do we follow Korah? I mean, hearkening to my same example, say you and me were grafted into the camp of Israel. And another, uh, we have a leader in Moses, but then there's another guy who's like gaining popularity. He's an influencer. Look, he's got, you know, a, a thousand followers on social media. Look, he's got a hundred thousand followers on social media. Hey, look, let's listen to what he has to say. And all of a sudden he goes against the teachings of what we have heard. What do we do? Do we follow Moses or do we follow Korah? You see? And entrusting in the Lord, you and me, remember we were formerly wicked, formerly wicked, and now we're cleansed. And we went through that two-week process like, wow, that was grueling. What if it was a two-month process? Wow, that was a grueling two months. I don't want to do that again. You don't want to do that again. So let's just trust in the Lord. Let's obey Him. So, you know, like, we don't have to be cleaning like every month, every year, every week. No, because we're just we're just going to obey the Lord and we learn to trust him. We're falling in love with him and it's before the seed has come. And so we're we just can't wait for the fulfillment of the law. We have this burgeoning desire in our heart. It's like palpable, like I, like the very, you know, when you're eagerly awaiting something. And in obedience to the law, we're eagerly awaiting for the fulfillment. Hope. Who is this coming Messiah? Where is he? I can't wait for him to come. You see, it gives, it births something beautiful inside of our hearts. These are things that the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees should have understood. Remember Moses was kind of shocked at Nicodemus? Like, you're a teacher? Nicodemus was asking him questions like, yeah, you're a teacher? How is it that you don't understand these things? You call yourself a teacher? I mean, not, not like mad at him, but like there's the expectation why teachers need to know this. So what, what who do we follow? There's this guy. He's got, a, you know, 10,000 followers on social media. He's got 100,000 followers on social media. His name is Korah. Look, he's got the look here. He's got the smile. Look, he posts, he posts selfies of him with, you know, reading. He posts selfies of himself doing good things for this, this person. Good things over here. It's all for show. And then all of a sudden, we say, you know what? We're just, we're, let's just listen to Moses. Let's listen to Moses. Because we see him. We see Cora over here. and He's a prideful guy. Look at Moses. Where's Moses. Where's Moses? You see that little lump over there? That's Moses. He's on his face before the Lord. Look way over there. You see that little lump? You see a little movement there? Yeah, it's not move. You see how it's going up and down? Yeah, he's breathing. But he's on his face before the Lord. For you and for me and for all the camp. I, I, I see Korah over there. You know, he's standing on his grandstand and saying all these things and doesn't really jive with what Moses said. I'm with Moses. And then all of a sudden, you know, the day comes where the you have the tents of Korah and those who follow them. All of a sudden, the earth opens up and boom. Bye-bye, Korah. Bye-bye, those who followed Korah. The earth opens up. 
They trusted the wrong thing. They trusted in the wrong guy. You see? And so you and me, we're not like, like, whew, we dodged a bullet. Because it was blatant. I'm not going to listen to that guy. No way. Korah is saying things that are an abomination to the Lord. Korah is saying craziness. Korah is in crazy town. I'm not going to listen to him. And then all of a sudden you have all these people. Oh, yeah, look, let's go look at Korah, how awesome he is. Let's follow him. Let's follow him. Let's follow him. And you're like, no, 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 don't go that direction. Don't go to him because he's, he's false. What he says is contrary to what Moses says, what the Lord said through Moses. It's contrary. It doesn't align. It doesn't fit. I know he's got the, the followers. He looks like he's an influencer. But don't go that direction. Don't follow him. Look, let's be with this guy over here. Where is he? You see that lump way over there in the distance? I'm not going to stand next to that lump. What are you talking about? I'm going to be over here next to Cora where the cool people are. You want me to be next to that lump? But that's Moses. He's praying. He's a lump because he's on his face for you. And yet they make their choice. They make their choice. Do we follow Moses or do we follow Korah? You see? Those who chose wisely, they're alive. Those who chose poorly, they're dead. And Moses is saying this to this generation. Don't forget what the Lord did, what he did to Egypt in verse 4, to their horses, to their chariots. But then also... Don't forget what Don't forget what happened to Korah. Yeah, he did that to Egypt, but he did a little something to you too. And Moses says, I'm not going to speak with your children about this in verse 2. I'm not going to tell them. You tell them. You tell them. What what if they were kids? Like they were aged they, they were little kids, say like 8 years old. Where they can see these things, they can understand these things what happened. He say they were 10 years old when they were in Egypt. Their parents wanted the kids to be safe. Oh, you know, we want the kids to be safe. So we're not going to go and, and go into Canaan. And the Lord says, okay, you think you want to be safe, but you're going to die. Your kids are going to be safe, but because they're yielding to me. If they yield to you, you know, they're going to die too. But you want your kids to be safe? Okay, you're going to die. Disobedience. Disobedience. And so all of a sudden to this next generation, this 10-year-old, you know, Moses says to them in, 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 in verse, um, in verse 2, when he says, who have not known and who have not seen. Now, say there was a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old who remembers. And Moses is an old guy now and he's speaking these things and say that 10-year-old is now like 50 or 60. Say he was a little bit old. Say he's like 60. Mommy and daddy are dead. And now he remembers. I say there's a 50-year-old. He remembers. Oh, I remember that when I was 10 years old. I remember. Remember there's 40 years in the wilderness. I remember when I was 10 years old and the, earth, the, the, the ocean opened up and we walked on solid ground on dry ground i remember all that i remember when the, the earth opened up and swallowed korah and those who followed him and say that 50 year old guy that 50 year old lady 
They have their own little kids. And Moses is, hey, I'm not, I'm not speaking to your kids. Mommy and daddy, I'm speaking to you. You got to tell your kids. You got to teach your kids. Come on, Moses, tell us something good. We want to go to the promised land and hear that everything's going to be fine and dandy. No, you need to hear this. You need to hear this and understand. Because look at the past mistakes. And Moses, in alignment with the Lord, said, you know, you want good things. I also want good things for you. But these good things are a byproduct of obedience to the Lord. You can't disobey the Lord and expect good things. You say, wait a second. How come, you know, there's this rich guy over here and he's got it pretty good. What, you talking about this life? You talking about this life? Or you talking about the life to come? Because this life, you know, it's a facade. The life to come, not so good. A lot of times people, do, we, we make this measurement in accordance to the flesh, in accordance to the carnal nature, in accordance to Adam. Oh, but look, this rich guy, he's got it so good. This rich gal, she's got it so good. You talking about this life? Because this life is just a vapor. You're going to hedge all your bets, so to speak, on a vapor? You see? So all of a sudden, remember, you know, I'm not going to speak to your kids about this. They haven't known. They haven't seen. But he says in verse 7, but your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord, which he did. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment, which I command you today. Remember Galatians, the law was added because of sin. If you're listening for the first time, or maybe you've been listening for a couple couple weeks, and you haven't gone through the full study of Galatians, you must listen to the study of Galatians, because Satan can use these very words of Moses. Satan can use them to lure you to obey the law. And in obedience to the law, if you're abiding in the law, you have been, you are estranged from Christ. If you are abiding in the law, you are estranged from Christ. And I don't want that for you. We must study these things in the law from the lens of the new covenant. Standing firmly on the rock of the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ. Purpose in your heart. If you're listening for the first time or you haven't been listening for a long time, purpose in your heart to listen to Galatians, all of it. The introduction too, because you'll understand these things. He says in verse 8, to keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. Now you see, you say, wait a second, they're, they're possessing the land and I thought you said that possessions were a bad thing. No, it's a blessing of the Lord unto Israel. Remember our study through chapter 9? Don't think it's because of your awesomeness. In chapter 9, don't think it's because of your righteousness. No, it's... The Lord is blessing Israel in accordance to his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob pre-law. And the law here is to keep Israel in obedience to him. The law was added because of the sin. 
Because of them. Because of the carnal nature. The same carnal nature that you and me wrestle with. And to be crucified with Christ means that you and me, we have reckoned the old man dead. We have reckoned the old woman dead. Have you ever talked to somebody about their testimony? Have you ever just been floored? You know, you talk to a guy, you talk to a gal, and they're like, oh yeah, I was a prostitute, you know, and I did these things and all these things, and I did drugs, I was a crackhead, and I was, I did these things and all. And you're like, like two minutes in, and you're already just floored, like what? Like it doesn't match what you see. It doesn't match the person that you know. It doesn't, their past does not match. Why? Because what you're looking at, what is before you, is a new creation in Christ Jesus. That person that he is referring to, that person which she is referring to, oh yeah, I was a prostitute. Oh yeah, I did this, I was a stripper. Oh yeah, I did this, I was a crackhead. Oh yeah, I did this, I was alcoholic. Yeah, I committed murder here, I did this, and you know, this and that. And, all. and you're just like, what? What? Not to glorify the sin. To glorify the Lord and his handiwork. And you're like, oh, I can't believe like, that was you? You did that? I can't believe you? What? And then the person doesn't say, oh yeah, look how awesome I am. No, this. I was a wretch. I was a wretch. But look at what the Lord did. Look at what he did. I'm not a stripper anymore. I'm not a prostitute anymore. I'm not a gambler anymore. I'm not a killer anymore. I'm not violent anymore. I'm not a crackhead anymore. I'm not alcoholic anymore. Why? Because that person is dead. I'm crucified with Christ. And you're just like, whoa. And all of a sudden, you start to rejoice. Not in him, not in her. You start to rejoice in the Lord. Oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good. Because look at what you did in his life. Look at what you did in her life. And I want that for me too. You know, I don't want to be a stripper. I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to be a sex head. I don't want to be. And I thought it was impossible. But as your word says, in Christ, all things are possible. And look at what you did for this guy. Look at what you did for that guy. Wow, for this gal and this. Wow, Lord, you can do that for me too. Now you start to see something beautiful. I mean, even more beautiful. Because now it comes home. And you and me, we can learn to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love. Just like Mark in what we looked at is falling deeper and deeper and deeper. He already yielded to the Lord. But there's still more yielding. You see? You and me, we've already yielded to the Lord. But there's more yielding. To your last dying breath, there's more yielding. Even in eternity in our glorified bodies, there's more yielding. Because He is Lord. You see? It's so powerful. The, the beauty of Deuteronomy, the beauty of these writings, these holy, holy writings, which help us as New Covenant believers. But we have to understand. We have to understand. And so all of a sudden, look what happens here in verse um, 
in verse 9, and that you may pro- and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. Remember, this is before the law. This is in accordance to the promise. And Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness' sake. Remember that in our study, and if you've been walking with us for a while, in our study through uh, Genesis, and also our study through Romans, it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness' sake. Now it was accounted to Abraham because he observed the Sabbaths. It was accounted to Abraham because he observes the feasts and the festivals. It was accounted to Abraham because he did not commit murder. It didn't all these works of the law. No, that's not written. Abraham believed. No law, no Ten Commandments. Abraham believed. And it was added, accounted unto him for righteousness' sake. See, if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain, as Paul says. The same spirit that inspired Paul, the same spirit that inspired Abraham. You say, Abraham didn't write anything. Okay, I get that. Abraham didn't write anything. But the same spirit that Abraham yielded to and it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. The same spirit which inspires Moses to write these things of the law, which points to Jesus Christ. Remember the Pharisees? We follow Moses. Impossible, Jesus says, because Moses wrote about me. You see, the law has this inability. Loopholes of the law which makes way for the better covenant. You see? And so he says this in verse 9, uh, the, the land which you swore, which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. How beautiful is this? God's blessings unto Israel. A land flowing with milk and honey. Now, turn with me really quick to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. And in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 30, our Lord says this, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. I'll say that again. Tomorrow is thrown into the oven. I'll say it a third time. Tomorrow is thrown into the oven to those who have ears. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after, for, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, or the non-believers, or the heathen and the pagans seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You see? There's no denying the need. And our Lord says this in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. You know what many people do? Many people seek last the kingdom of God. Now I don't say that to shame the church. But I just call it like I see it. If it's shameful, you decide. Most people seek last the kingdom of God. Oh, uh, what shall we eat? 
Oh, I'm going to do this so that we can eat this. So what shall we drink? Oh, I'm going to do this so that we can, we can drink. What shall we wear? Oh, I'm going to do this so that we can wear this. And after that's all said and done, eh, I think I'll seek the kingdom of God. That's the wrong formula, my friend. Seek first the kingdom of God. No period. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see? And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added to you. Oh, what shall we drink? I'm going to do this so that we can drink that. I'm going to do that so that we can wear this. I'm going to do this so that we can eat that. That's the wrong formula. And then when it's all, when my belly is nice and full, when I, I'm wearing this, I'm full of this to drink, I'm full of this to eat, and I'm all, it's all said and done, I can exhale. And I think at that time, I'll, I'll seek the kingdom of God. That's the wrong order of operations. Seek first. First. I'll say it again. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Remember the oven <laughs> to those who have ears. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see? These are things that the very law itself brings us to the good teacher. And he's absolutely a good teacher. But just like Mark and the legal expert, only one called him Lord. Mark. He chose wisely. The legal expert called him good teacher. But he didn't yield to the good teacher. Where he referred to the good teacher as the Lord. Mark did. You see? Now, let's go back to Deuteronomy. We see this in Deuteronomy verse 10. I don't want to underemphasize this. I do not want to underemphasize this. The blessings of God are a byproduct of obedience unto Him. Not to seek first this and that and how are we going to do this and I'm going to do that. In order to get this, I got to do that. In order to get this, I'm going to do that. In order to get this, everything's carnal, carnal, carnal. The flesh, the flesh, the flesh. But the Spirit, I'm going to seek first the Lord, His kingdom, His righteousness. And all these things shall be added the order of operations isn't, you know, uh, let me address the food, let me address the clothing, let me address the drink, and then when it's all said and done, then I'll seek the Lord. That's a wrong formula. It's a very common formula, even in the house of faith. It's a very common formula. And it reveals the carnal nature. People walking according to the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. But in the flesh there is death. In the spirit there is life. And when you walk according to the spirit, 
Let's forget the food. Let's forget the drink. Let's forget the wear, the what to wear. Let's forget all of these things. But Jesus Christ is first. The preeminence, not the prominence, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. His righteousness, his kingdom and his righteousness. First, Jesus Christ. And then the aftermath of that, then all these things shall be, not subtracted from you, added unto you. He takes care of it. I don't like to say magic because magic, it, it says it, it, it has satanic uh, elements to it. When you see like the sorcery and things demonic, I don't like saying magic. But very on very rare occasions, I will say magic only to appeal to the carnal. It's like magic. It's not magic. But to the carnal, to the blind, to, to those without hearing, to those without sight. It's like magic. I don't like saying that. I speak as a fool in so doing. But I say that to wake you up to the things of faith, the substance of things hoped for, the very means by which you and me walk, the very means by which you and me ought to walk. It's not magic. But I only say that to awaken you. It's the blessing of the Lord. The invisible hand, so to speak. When people can't see the invisible hand, it gives way to the visible hand and the visible hand will kill you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Which means, you know, the drink, the food, uh, the, the wear, the Lord will take care of it. It just happens. It just falls into place. You see? These are things the law, remember, Mark and the legal expert, the law fulfilled its purpose in bringing them to Jesus Christ. But then both of them, at one point in time, were at the valley of decision. Now that the law has brought me to Jesus Christ, what do I do? Remember, the legal expert was even kneeling before Jesus Christ, even called him good teacher. But he rejected Jesus Christ. Mark, what was the posture of his heart? You see? It's so beautiful to read these passages of the Torah as New Covenant believers because we have a deeper understanding of, oh my goodness, wow, Lord, you're so good. You're so good, Lord. You're teaching Israel. You're teaching this next generation. You're teaching their kids. I mean, one through Moses, the next through the second generation. You're teaching, and you're teaching us today. You're teaching us today. You're showing us these things. You're revealing these things to us. You see? And the Lord desires good things for his children. God's blessings. Which are, which are a byproduct of him. 
Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord responds to disobedience. The Lord responds to obedience. So we continue here in verse 10, Deuteronomy 11. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. Remember, while they were slaves, mind you, don't forget, they were in, they were in bondage. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if this word of conditionality, if you earnestly obey. Now, what's very interesting is the Hebrew earnestly obey in the Hebrew is to diligently hear and obey. Remember Jesus Christ? When the Pharisees, oh, we follow Moses. We're hardcore. We follow Moses. And the Lord was, what? I'm paraphrasing. How can you? Moses wrote about me. You say you follow him, but he wrote about me. Remember Paul? You who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Remember? Verse 13, it shall be that if, if, if you earnestly obey or if you diligently hear and obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God. Oh, wait a second. How can I love the Lord? I fear him because, you know, I remember what happened to Korah when the earth opened up and swallowed everybody, men, women, children, all these babies, you know, teenagers and little toddlers and the moms and the dads and all that. The earth opened up and I fear him. And I remember when I was a leper, my tent was unclean and I don't like this two weeks of cleansing, two weeks of cleaning everything, two months of cleaning everything. It was quite arduous. I don't want to go through that anymore. And so we learn to trust in the Lord. I'm not advocating the law. I'm just giving this example. We learn to trust the Lord. And as we trust the Lord and obey His ways, not our ways, obey His ways. Man, everybody's having sex like crazy. Remember, uh, 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 Balak as a type of Satan. He didn't send the warriors down. He sends the women down. I don't know what they look like. I do not know what they look like, but I have an idea of what they dress like. I have an idea of what they might have appeared like. Probably appealing to the flesh. And Balak sends the women down. Said, wow, everybody's like, they're grabbing a lady and they're going to their tent. They're, this guy's got this lady and they're going to the tent. And this guy, you know, he looks like my foot, but he's got a lady and he's going to a tent. And wow, I, I don't want to do that. Wow, that's gross. How is that gross? How can a person say that's gross? How can that be a detestable thing to a person? Because that person must learn to obey the Lord. But it's deeper than that. Must learn in obedience to Him, learning to trust Him. And in learning to trust Him, you're 
also falling in love with him. So all of a sudden, say it's you and me. Everybody's got, you know, they're grabbing a lady from Balak. You know, one of the Balak's ladies, they got, got a lady under their arm and they're going to their tent and it's just you and me, you and me. This guy's going to, this guy's going over here. This guy's going over here. He's got his lady. They're going to that tent. This lady, and we're, we're, we're like the loners, you know, we're like, they call us all, oh, you're such a loser. You guys are losers. And we're just standing there like, oh my goodness, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? This is gross. This is detestable. And now all of a sudden, you know, even this, you know, this guy, he looks like my foot and he's going into his tent. It's a trap. It's a trap. Remember, Balak is a type of Satan. It's the next day. It's the next week. It's repetitive. It's been happening. Day one, day two, day three, day three. And every single day, more are, you know, grabbing a lady. More are grabbing a lady. And every single day, we're being ostracized more. And you and me, we're like the loners. They even make fun of us now. Wow, you know, you're such a loser. Look, I've been with her. Look, I've been with her. And you guys are losers. You don't want to do this. And you and me, we're just like in tears. What's happening? A week later, we're worshiping the Lord. We look over to the side and they're worshiping the Baals. They're worshiping the Baals. Ladies got a big old smile on their face. It was a trap. Oh my goodness, what has, what has happened? And then the plague comes. Then they start dying. The plague comes. Look what happens to you and me. We were the we were the nerds. We were the dorks. They made fun of us. Oh, you guys are such losers. Look, you know, look, I was with her. I was with her. I was with her. You guys are such losers. And we feel more and more alone. Not because we desire that loneliness. I mean, in one sense, you know, it's, there's a there's a beautiful side of loneliness. <laughs> Oneness with the Lord. They're worshiping Baal. Now all of a sudden the plague comes. And the Lord kills them. We're alive. And look at what has happened. We've been obedient. We, 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 we have a deeper, not just understanding, but a deeper... I don't have the word for it, but it's just a deeper application, a deeper purpose, a deeper. It's not just obedience for the sake of obedience. It's obedience because we trust in him more and more and more. And all these people are now dead. We were the losers. We were the loners. We were the dorks. Come on, you guys. Look, it's all these ladies over here. It's a free for all. Look, you can have her. Look, I know you're ugly, but you can have her and you can have her and all these things. And man, you're super ugly, but you still can have her. We don't even care about that. We don't even think that way. That's carnal thinking. I don't. And now look. Look at them. They're dead. Look at us. 
Not to be like, wow, look how righteous we are. Because remember, you see the blessing of the Lord. So we obey the Lord. We trust the Lord. We fear the Lord. But we've fallen deeper and deeper in love with him. Now, through obedience, the so-called, I'm doing my air quotes here, the so-called invisible hand is clearly seen. Why? Because the wicked are dead. The righteous are alive. You see? And we learn to love the Lord even more and more and more. The letter of the law cannot accomplish this. But obedience to the law, I'm not advocating the law. This is precede. This is before Jesus Christ. I'm just explaining this. Precede. The law, which is a tutor, it's still holy even to this day. It is still holy. But the law has a purpose. The law has a function. Pointing us to Jesus Christ. But in obedience to the law, Look at what is happening where the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, emphasis on the beginning. We've learned to obey. We've learned to trust deeper and deeper. We've learned to love. Everything kind of greases the skids, so to speak, for the next level of a deeper relationship with the Lord. You see, all of this through the law, this is precede. And it gives hope. You say, I know it's precede, but what are you talking? What are you what are you hopeful for? The law's fulfillment. You see? These are the very things which the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees should have known, but they were blind. They were blind. Moses continues in verse 13, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today. To love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Remember, love can't be mandated. But trusting in the Lord can lead to love. Remember the cumbersome aspect of Leviticus. The cleansing, leprosy, cleaning everything. And trust leads to love, which leads to hope until the seed should come. You see, this is the very promise that was given to Abraham pre-law and it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. So many people get stuck in the law. So many people get trapped in the law because it's an attack of Satan. Now, just like the Corinthians, Satan didn't use the Bible to attack them. He used the flesh. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the extortion, the things of the flesh. But Galatians were different. They didn't have that, those immature problems of the flesh. And so Satan attacked them with the Bible. Oh, yeah, just look, Deuteronomy says this. Deuteronomy says this is like what Satan would say or the servants of Satan would say. Look, you love the Lord. You're not, you're not a sex head. You're not an alcoholic. 
But look at what Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 13 says. It shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. Wow, I want rain for my land in its season. Therefore, I'm going to obey these commandments that are written in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, that is what Moses wrote to the people before they went to the promised land. Let's look at what numbers. Now I want to do these things in numbers. Now I want to do these things in Leviticus. It's an attack. Because to abide in the law means you have abandoned Jesus Christ, the law's fulfillment. Moses or, or Paul even said to the Galatian saints, I am afraid for you. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. You see, we study these things in the Old Testament from the lens with the binoculars, new covenant binoculars, standing firmly on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. And so we see this in verse 14. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your rain your new wine and your oil. Very interesting. What do we see here? We see grain. We see not wine. We see new wine. And we see oil. Very interesting. Remember, we're looking at these things standing on the rock of the uh, uh, of the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ, looking through our binoculars of the new covenant. And what do we see? We see grain. We don't see wine. We see new wine and we see oil. Remember, grain is used to make bread. So here in the Torah, in the writings of Moses, we see bread. We see New wine, for new wineskins, I might add. And we see oil. Remember Jesus Christ says, how to the Pharisees, how can you believe Moses when Moses wrote about me? These very words in Deuteronomy 11 verse 14, we see the bread of life. The bread of life. New creations. New create. Remember, new wine for new wineskins. We see new create, not old wineskins, new wineskins. And we also see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the oil. This is the Torah. This is Moses. Now you understand why Jesus Christ, I mean, you might have understood already, but now you understand even more. When Jesus, what? Moses wrote about me, you guys. Moses wrote about me. What did these religious leaders say? Pontius Pilate, here is your, behold your king, here is your king. What did the religious leaders say? We have no king but Caesar. His blood be on us and our children. You see, blindness came to Israel. You see, not forever, in part, Israel in part. 
Israel in part. Listen to our study through Romans 11. Israel in part. But sight will come to Israel again. But a lot has to happen. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot has to happen in terms of the, the impact. It's going to be rough. But I also say not a lot has to happen. Because we're at the time of the end. So we see this in verse 15. And I will send grass in your field for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves. Lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Now, these are beautiful passages. And I don't want to bring negative aspects. But we have to be very real. This eventually happens. What is written here? Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. This eventually happens in Israel. And God responds. God reacts. And what you see through the entirety of Scripture, Old Testament and New, is His long-suffering. His long-suffering endures with His mercy. Who does the Lord use? Just that same example. You and me. In the camp. All these guys have done all their sexual things with the women of Balak. You know, Balak doesn't send the warriors. Balak sends the women. How they looked, I can only imagine. I don't want to imagine, but I can only... The women come down, all the guys doing their thing and this and that. You know, and like a week later, they're worshiping Baal. We're worshiping the Lord. The plague comes, they're dead, we live. And in the course of time, more people fall, more people succumb to their wickedness. And you and me, we remember those two weeks, those grueling two weeks from 30 years ago, from 50 years ago, from 60 years ago. We remember those grueling two weeks. Wow, I don't want to experience that again. No, that's not happening. People such as that. The Lord says, that's my guy. That's my gal. I'm going to use her. I'm going to use him. Look at Hannah. When Eli, the high priest... Eli, the high priest. Look at him. She thought that Hannah, he thought that Hannah was drunk. The high priest. The priesthood itself. Look at what it has become. I mean, you know, not has become today. I mean, we can say today, but, uh, you know, a lot of times when I teach from the Bible, I kind of speak like, like we're here, like, you know, like here we are in Deuteronomy 11 and I speak like we're actually living in Deuteronomy 11, but I do, that's how I read the Bible. And that's how I teach the Bible because it helps it helps me understand these things. And I pray it helps you understand. But look at Hannah. See that? In those in that example, you and me. Say it was 50 years ago. Man, I remember that. Remember that grueling two weeks? I don't want to do that anymore. And all these people, over the course of time, people are still 
falling. They haven't learned from the error of their wicked ways. And just like is written here in verse uh, 16, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So for you and me, we have taken heed to ourselves and we don't want that grueling two weeks was enough. I don't want to mess with you, Lord. And in the course of time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, remember Amos, I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord says, Amos, you're my prophet. I'm going to use you because Israel didn't take heed, but you've taken heed. Hannah, I'm not speaking to Eli, but I'm going to speak to you, Hannah. Samuel, I'm not speaking to Eli, the high priest, the priesthood, where in the law says that the Lord will speak to them, but yet the Lord says, I'm not going to speak to this guy. But Samuel, I'm going to speak to you. You see, because you have these people who are set apart for the Lord. They love the Lord. They've learned through the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning, 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 beginning of wisdom. They've trusted the Lord. They're obedient to the Lord. Now the Lord uses them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Joel, Hannah, Ruth. All these beautiful people, young, old, male, female, They've taken heed. The majority, they don't take heed. The majority, the vast, vast, vast majority do not take heed. But the small minority, the remnant, they take heed. Old Testament and New Testament and these last days. The vast majority do not take heed. The small remnant they take heed. You see? He says, Lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Wow, come on, Moses, tell us the good things. This is a beautiful thing. This is a good thing. You guys have to remember. That's what Moses. That's what Moses is saying. Remember, 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 remember. God is reactionary. Old Testament and New Testament. God is reactionary. Oh, I'm a, I think I'm going to worry about the food. I'm going to worry about the clothing. I'm going to worry about the drink. And when I'm all full, I'm nice and clothed, and everything's fine and dandy. I think I'll. I think I'll focus on God's kingdom and his righteousness. I'll do that last. That's the wrong formula. That's carnality. That's carnality. That's walking according to the flesh. Walking according to the spirit. Forget the clothes. Forget the food. Forget the drink. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Number one, Jesus. Not one among a thousand, one and one only, Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God. 
And you know what Jesus does? I'm going to give him clothing. I'm going to give her clothing. I'm going to give him food. I'm going to give her drink. He knows. Our Father knows. Before we ask, He knows. But we don't see with eyes of faith. So what happens? We take it upon ourselves. We take it upon ourselves. Oh, I see this. I see that. Therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Where is obedience to the Lord? You see? All these things will be added. I don't like saying magic because it's satanic. I don't like saying magic because of the sorcery involved and the demonic deception. But to the unbelieving, to the uncircumcised, to those who haven't exercised their muscles of faith, so to speak. It's like magic. And I'm going to repent for saying that. Just so you know. I don't like saying magic. But I say that to the uncircumcised. And I also say this. Be ye circumcised. Learn to walk according to the Spirit. Not another spirit that the preachers, remember the preacher guys? They present themselves as servants of righteousness, but it's all in accordance to another spirit. It's not that of our Lord. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, which leads to Jesus Christ always. Always. Never leads to the law. Always leads to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, the bread of life. You see? Therefore, he says in verse 18, you shall lay up these words of mine. You say, wow, see, look, Moses, he's saying these words. But remember, Moses is a vessel that the Lord is using. Moses is a servant. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5. Hebrews 3, verse 5, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, God's house, as a servant, you see, as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. There's more, you see, afterward. Moses is a servant. You see, oh, we believe Moses. We believe the writings of Moses and the Lord. What are you talking about? How can that be? Moses wrote about me. Go back to Deuteronomy 11. In Deuteronomy 11, therefore, verse 18, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, if you ever look at like Orthodox Jews, if you're Jewish and you're listening, I love you. This isn't a knock on you in any way, shape or form. If 
you're Jewish and you're listening, I love you. And I want you to know that in me, you have a friend. There's plenty of reason for you to be cautious of so-called Christians. Plenty of reason of which we need not go into further like detail and explanation. But I will say this. There are a lot of reformed individuals of the Christian faith who teach replacement theology with their certain coalitions. It's demonic. I do not align with that. That is unbiblical. They do not understand the scriptures. They teach on things. They teach things on which they ought not to teach. If you're Jewish and you're listening, I love you. If you're Orthodox and you're listening, I love you, Orthodox Jew. I mean, if you're, you know, or like, you know, uh, 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 Greek Orthodox, I love you too. Study the scriptures, listen to our studies, repent, believe in Jesus Christ, receive him. And if you're listening, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, I give, the, a guy told me very recently, I give the cheesiest gospel message. You know, like, you give the, your gospel message is to cut it out? Yes. Cut it out. Be unbelieving no more. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you might believe. We're living in times of biblical prophetic fulfillment. People are wondering. Atheists have been asking me very recently. What does this mean? What does this mean? How is this happening like this? And how does it align with scripture? And people are coming to Christ in these last days. This door of grace, it's not going to be open forever. The door is going to close. God's mercy, its it endures forever. But this door of grace is going to close. You see, listen to our study through Romans. And you'll understand. It's called the fullness of the Gentiles. Be unbelieving no more. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You commit your life to Jesus Christ and you come back and listen. But if you're Jewish, Orthodox Jew, when Moses says here in verse 18, bind them as a sign on your hand and they may, that they shall be as, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Well, what you see among the Orthodox is you see like they have the, the 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 ropes around their hands and they have these boxes or they have the ropes, they have the ties around their head and they have a box on their forehead. That's, that's for show. That's for show. Because when the law There's an inability of the law to touch the heart. But obedience to the law, a soul learns to trust in the Lord. And that's where the connection to the heart is made through obedience. And just like Mark and the legal guy, the legal expert, the expert in the law, the law brought them to Jesus Christ. And the Lord says this, turn with me to Matthew 23 really quick. Matthew 23. And in Matthew 23, the words of the law's fulfillment, the words of the fulfillment of the promise unto Abraham pre-law. He says this in Matthew 
23, verse 5, speaking of the Pharisees. And he's speaking to the Pharisees. Remember, he's brave. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, the Pharisees do this. He's not going to say these things behind them. He said, the Pharisees are right there. He says, but all their works, speaking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those of the law, they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad, and the phylacteries is the box for the law. So if you if you're listening and you're not a Jew, and you you know you if you see the uh, Orthodox Jews and they have the like the box on their head, well, if you open that box, inside the box are writings of the law, the Torah, where Moses says, you know, bind these things on your head, or, or, you know, in your mind. Well, they take it li literally. And they say, okay, I'm gonna bind these to my head, and so that's what they do. They make these big phylacteries. Sometimes you'll see the the little ones. Sometimes you'll see the big ones. Sometimes you'll see the humongous like shoeboxes on our forehead. It's not to make fun or make a mockery. But it's a matter of the heart. If you're Orthodox Jew, you must understand it's a matter of the heart. Listen to our, if you're Orthodox, if you're Jewish, listen to our study through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and get yourself caught up to Deuteronomy and you'll understand the fulfillment You'll understand the Messiah. Jesus says of these religious leaders, they do it to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad instead of like a little tiny, like a jewelry, like a, like, you know, like you, like you get a box, like an earring or like a, uh, like a box for, you know, when somebody proposes, they have the box with the ring, a box like that. But then compare that to a shoebox. You know, one is bigger than the other, but it's all for show. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Pointing to the law, this is like Numbers 15. What we're reading about in, 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 number, in, in Deuteronomy 11. But then we look at verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against man. You see? Heaven is closed. How? By these religious leaders, these hypocrites, these scribes and Pharisees, the hypocrites, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourself. Now, that's one thing. Not to say that that's a good thing, but that's one thing. You, you neither go in yourself, which applies to the hypocrite, the religious leader, those with the big phylacteries broad on their heads, you know, not a little diamond box, but a little sh a big shoebox. You neither go in yourself, he says in verse 13, verse 13, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Notice, they're right at the very precipice. They're right at the very verge. They're right at the very threshold. And you do not allow them to enter. You do not allow them to go in, you see. That's the beauty and the terror of the law. Because the beauty of the law like with Mark and the legal expert, brings a person to Jesus Christ. But at the very precipice, the teachers of the law, they neither enter themselves and they also prevent those who are about to enter at the very precipice to go in. Why? Because they lean on Moses instead of hearing Moses, you see, in the letter of the law is death. Because if righteousness comes through the law, 
then Jesus Christ died in vain. If you're Jewish, even if you're Orthodox Jew or non-Orthodox, if you're Jewish and you're listening, Moses, a beautiful, beautiful man, I'm in love with him. But he was a servant in the house of God. And the promise unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was not through law, only the law of circumcision. Not the Ten Commandments. The promise is fulfilled and will be fulfilled. There's more to the story. The Messiah. Not two Messiahs. One Messiah, two comings. He came once. And he's coming again. The lion of the tribe of Judah from the eastern sky. As it is written, be blind no more. If you're Jewish, orthodox, be blind no more. Listen to our study too. If you're orthodox, listen to our, the, the, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you do just that. You commit your life to the Messiah. Son of the Most High God. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk, when you walk by the way, (laughs) when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You know, there was one time I was speaking to a congregation of people, giving examples on teaching kids. And everybody laughed. It wasn't like, you know, a joking, you know. Everybody laughed like, that's so stupid. Why would you... Why would you take this opportunity to teach your kid? Why would you do this? And I don't say this to shame the body of believers. But I say this to highlight the rarity of this understanding. Teach your children and teach them well. When you sit in your house, when you're walking, by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, Pour into your children. Because if you don't, the world will pour into them. And this world is getting more wicked. More wicked. And new wine isn't going to pour into them. Nasty disgustingness will pour into them. If you permit that to happen, parent. You see? Verse 20, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children. Now, this is just me. This is just me. I I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I don't like that he says that your days. That's just me personally. I don't like that he says your days. Because me, if if the Lord revealed that my days were zero, like I'm going to die today, I would love it. If the Lord revealed to me that my days are just two, my days are eight, 
I would love it. I can't wait to die. <laughs> That's just me. That just rubs me the wrong way that your days. But for me, this is the what brings joy to me. The days of your children. That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Moses almost speaks like it's past tense. Like the days of the heavens above the earth. But he speaks in the future tense. He speaks of the resurrection. A sadducical heart is more blind than that of the Pharisee. You see, can a heart see? To those who have ears, can a heart see? You know, Lord. This is the Torah. This is straight up Deuteronomy. Speaks of the resurrection. In verse 22, For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord, remember, He's reactionary. He's reactionary. Then the Lord will drive out. This is in verse 22, For if, if you carefully keep, now the Lord is reactionary. He responds to disobedience. But here in this example, He's responding to obedience then the lord will drive in verse 23 will drive out all these nations from before you and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourself every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours from the wilderness and from the wilderness and lebanon from the river the river euphrates even to the western sea shall be your territory no man shall be able to stand against you the lord your god will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread just as he has has said to you you see just as he has said to you, he is faithful. This is all in accordance to what the Lord has already told them. Verse 26, behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, the blessing. If, word of conditionality, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, that's the blessing Remember, he says in verse 26, I set before you a blessing and a curse. And here's the blessing. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, verse 28, and the curse, if, a word of conditionality, you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way, turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. See, so now you have a fork in the road. You have a blessing, you have a curse. Your move, Israel. Your move, next generation. Your move for your kids if you teach them well. The blessing and a curse. You see, now it shall be in verse 29. 
When the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim, and the curse on Mount Ebal, Gerizim trans, translates as to be cut, which is like circumcision, the cutting of circumcision. Mount Ebal, which translates as to be bare, which is nothingness. And you know what's in the middle of Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal? What's right smack dab in the middle is Shechem. Shechem. Which we'll study more. Old Testament and New Testament, which we will study more. Shechem. Verse 30, in closing, Are they not on the other side of the Jordan toward the setting sun in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the plain opposite Gilgal beside the terebinth tree at Moran? Now, Israel must come from the east in order to pass the promised land, pass to the, to the promised land. It's the same with her Savior from the east. Verse 31, for you will cross over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And you will possess it and dwell in it. And you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I set before you today. Now, remember, when Moses is saying in verse 18, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. It's not, remember, he's a servant in the Lord's house. It's in obedience to the Lord. The Lord wants this generation to hear these very words because he wants them to be blessed. But he doesn't make robots. They have a choice to make. But the same, remember, he never changes. He never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I never change, saith the Lord. Never changes. He's the same. He wants blessings unto you. But now the question comes, where is the obedience unto him? You see? And just as in the law, through obedience unto him, we learn to trust in him. And in learning to trust in him, we fall in love with him. And with the full package, the fear of the Lord, trusting in his ways and not our own, being obedient to him, we fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper times infinity, deeper in love with the Lord. See, behold the circumcision set apart for the glory of the Lord. Abuda, Abuda, Mishkan. If you're wondering what that is, listen to our study through Leviticus and you'll understand. To the people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.